Wow. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Easter to you. And as Will said a little bit earlier on, uh, just consider all around the world today, some have already done so. Um, some are, a lot are doing so now. Some will be doing later on in the day. People celebrating uh, the resurrection uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, such good news. Uh, and we're delighted to do so. And again, you know, it'd be ideal. Uh, a lot of us were hoping that we'd be able to be back together again in some way. Uh, but things are what they are. Uh, and we, are, we just continually remind ourselves that even though we can't physically uh, be side by side with one another, we are knitted together uh, in a unity of purpose. Uh, and today that purpose is to celebrate what was accomplished uh, 2,000 and some years ago there uh, in Jerusalem. And so seeing that today is uh, Easter Sunday, uh, I thought, this isn't rocket science, but I thought that it would be good for us to take a break from our study of Mark, even as we've been inching closer and closer to uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. We're not there yet, um, but I thought we'd take a break from the book of Mark today and dig in and consider in a special way uh, the resurrection and what the Bible teaches about the resurrection uh, throughout its pages. Uh, and so in doing so, what I want to do is I want to ask and hopefully answer this question. And the question is this, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ necessary or is it important? Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ necessary or even important to the Christian faith? And by that, what I mean is this, it's that if you remove the doctrine of Jesus's rising again on the third day from the dead, would that significantly impact or alter the Christian faith, and should it alter the Christian faith? Now, for me, as I was considering that, that forced a whole number of other questions to develop in my mind and in my thinking, which I think we need to answer first. So preliminary questions, which we need to consider first. And some of those are this. Number one uh, is to consider the question, what's more important, Good Friday or Easter Sunday? We're going to talk about that today. Secondly, how, why, and if, or discuss how, why, and if Jesus' resurrection was different from the resurrection of others that we see in the Bible. Thirdly, we'll have to consider what, if any, impact the resurrection of Jesus Christ has uh, in and on the life of the believer, the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ. And then finally, we have to answer that question and consider the question, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? And so those are ambitious goals that I have set for our time here together today. And so I think it would be wise that we go before the Lord in prayer. Uh, and so if you would, please bow your head with me. Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather together in this way uh, as a body of believers, a local body of believers. Lord, we can just stop and we can consider in a special way today the resurrection of Jesus Christ and its impact, and what it means for us that name the name of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts, every one of us that are uh, tuning in, listening, watching, considering, that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. You'd bless our time together, and you'd use your word to minister life unto our souls. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first question that I posited a moment ago was the question of, what is more important, Good Friday or Easter Sunday? What's more significant? What is more impactful? The death of Jesus Christ or the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, some of us that are hearing this or listening to this and hear that question, you might think, you know, I don't think it really matters. 
if one is more important than the other. But the, the question, though, remember, it's designed to help us answer that overarching question of whether or not the resurrection is really important, whether it's necessary to our faith. And so let me ask you this. If we took away the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, would that be a big deal for the Christian faith? If we took away the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, would that alter the Christian faith in any way? Well, you better believe it would alter the Christian faith in very significant ways. And I suspect most of us listening today, we would agree that the, the cross is essential to Christian doctrine. And so the question we are considering is, is the resurrection one of those essential Christian doctrines? Now think about the way that we as Christians communicate about our faith. Think about a, a preacher uh, on TV or, or someone that you're familiar with. You've heard them, an evangelist, a pastor of some sorts. And you think about those great preachers and evangel evangelists. Oftentimes we hear them say something like this. Maybe you've even said it yourself. But we hear them say something like, Jesus died for your sin. But we rarely hear them say, Jesus was raised for your sin, correct? I'm sure maybe you're sitting there, you're nodding your head. I've been a Christian a long time. I rarely remember hearing people extend that as part of this invitation for people to come to know the Lord. And perhaps unwittingly, what we are doing in our communication as believers, perhaps without even knowing it, we are insinuating that the death of Jesus Christ is more important than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as we dig into the scriptures, what we find, however, is that one is not more important than the other, but that the two are equally important and that they're inseparable, the one from the other. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they accomplish separate but necessarily related things. And the Bible, and as I thought about it this week, I, I'm tempted to say everywhere links those two events, events with one another. And since it does, it's our responsibility then to maintain that link as well. Somebody has said this. They said, Jesus's entrance into the tomb is equally as important as his exit from the tomb. And so if you have your Bible this morning, I'd like you to open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, about halfway or so through the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to kind of camp there today. We're going to go other places as well, but we'll spend a lot of time there in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you could please turn there. And as you're doing uh, so, let me begin by reading the first few verses. It says 1 Corinthians 15 this way. It says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you which you have received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Notice there in the opening words there, Paul's objective for this chapter. His objective for this chapter, he tells us, I would remind you brothers of the gospel. He wants to remind us of the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants to remind us of the gospel. And then he goes on and he begins to define that gospel. And in doing so, he presents the dual truth of the death of Jesus Christ as well as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. He said, I delivered to you of, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And then the evidence of that death was his burial. He says that there in the beginning of verse 4. 
And then he goes on and he says, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then in 5, 6, and 7, he gives us the evidence of that resurrection, the fact that he appeared to a number of different people that he goes on and he lists there. And so the two make up the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it would be a mistake on our parts to separate those two events or to come to some conclusion that one is more important than the other or one is necessary and the other might be dispensable. The reality is it's impossible to separate the death of Christ from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in order for Jesus to have truly arisen from the dead, then he would have had to have died. And in order for his death to have any true meaning for us, then he would have had to rose again, arise again. And you can't have one without the other. The cross of Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, won for the Christian the victory that the Christian could never win for themselves. I want to draw your attention to a few places in Scripture. The book of Colossians, written by the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, Paul tells us that uh, the record of our debt was set aside having been nailed to the cross. At the cross, our sin debt was paid for. Isaiah the prophet, in his writings, he declared that on the cross, all of our sins were heaped upon the Savior and that the Savior bore our sins. Isaiah said that he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Isaiah says that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities, and that upon him was the chastisement, the disciplining that brought us peace. And then Isaiah also says in that passage that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, that he was oppressed and that he was afflicted. Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 53. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul teaches us that Jesus Christ redeemed us from Adam's curse when he was crucified, saying, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We learn in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, that because of the cross, our sins have become powerless to rule over us. In John 12, Hebrews 2, and 1 John 3, we learn that by his death, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. The cross is vital to our salvation and was thus a main theme of the apostles' preaching and their writings in the New Testament. And so without the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, Christians would still be in their sins, unforgiven, unredeemed, unloved, and ultimately unsaved. The cross and how important it is. But the story of Jesus Christ, it doesn't end at the cross. It doesn't end with his death. For as I said earlier, the resurrection of Jesus is just, is just as foundational to the gospel message. The Apostle Paul taught us that it is because of Jesus' resurrection that the believer is justified. And when I say the word justified, that may be a word you're not familiar with. Justified means to be looked upon by God as if you have never sinned. And Paul tells us this. Look at Romans 4. He says, It will be counted to us who believe in him, him who raised Jesus, from, uh, Jesus uh, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Because of Jesus' resurrection, the believer is justified. 
Jesus said, because I live, you will live. John 14, verse 19. And again, to quote the Apostle Paul, because there is an empty grave just outside of the walls of Jerusalem, Paul taught us that death will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15, he said, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul will a little later in 1 Corinthians 15 tell us that the perishable will put on imperishable and that the mortal will put on immortality. Our salvation stands or falls based on the death and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Paul makes abundantly clear, and he does, Paul makes this abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians 15. Skip down with me. Look at verse 14 of this chapter. Paul says this. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Continuing in 17, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if, if in Christ we have in this life hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. It seems like a pretty fervent point that the apostle is trying to make, the importance of the resurrection. Now, as we look at the scriptures, we know that Jesus Christ wasn't the only person to be resurrected from the dead throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, we read of three different instances of people that were raised back to life from the dead. We read in 1 Kings 17 of the widow of Zarephath's son being raised by God's servant Elijah. In 2 Kings 4, we read of the Shunammite woman's son being raised back to life through Elijah's assistant, a fellow by the name Elijah's assistant, a fellow by the name of Elisha. In 2 Kings 13, we read of a man being raised back to life when his dead, lifeless body was thrown into a grave and actually touched the bones of Elisha, he was raised back to life. And so we have Old Testament instances of people being raised back to life again. We also have New Testament inst instances. We've been looking at some of these in our study of the Gospel of Mark. We read of Jesus' raising of the son of a widow from Nain in Luke chapter 7. That he raised the daughter of, a Rome, of the Roman official Jairus. We read of that primarily in Luke chapter 8. And how he raised his dear friend Lazarus, uh, who had been dead for four days and buried away. That's right around John chapter 11. We also read at the time of Jesus' death, this strange passage that we have in Matthew 27, that at the time of Jesus' death, there was a resurrection of multiple saints who came out of their graves and began to appear, the, appear to people throughout the city of Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, we read of the apostles ministering in such a way and in certain instances being used by God to raise people from the dead. The dead. Peter raised Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. Paul raised a fellow named Eutychus in Acts chapter 20. And so Jesus wasn't the only person to be raised again from the dead. Jesus, however, and this is the, the distinction, he is the only person in the scriptures to be raised from the dead, never to die again. And so with the exception of Jesus Christ, every one of those other individuals that I've just mentioned uh, went on to die a second time. But Jesus, his resurrection was a permanent resurrection. And that means his resurrection is different from the resurrection of all the others. 
His resurrection is distinct from the resurrection of all the others. And it's the reason why we, as followers of Christ, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but not the resurrection of the various widows' children, or little Tabitha, or Jesus' good friend Lazarus. And so I asked you earlier to to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Glance down to verse 20 of that chapter. In 1520, it says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul brings up in the context of the resurrection that he's been teaching on, he brings up this word, this idea of the first fruits. You see it there in the middle of the verse. Now, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they could not fully harvest their crops until first they brought a representative sampling of the harvest to the priest. They presented it to the priest as an offering unto the Lord. We read about it in Leviticus chapter 23. And in using the word Paul here, in using the word first fruits, he's indicating that Jesus is the first of something with many more of that same thing to follow. And so Paul's point then is this, that is, because Christ was raised, many others will be raised as well. In other words, Jesus was the first fruits, and his church is the harvest to come. His resurrection is the first of many resurrections. And so again, to quote the Lord from John chapter 14, because I live, you also will live. Numerous people were raised to life again in the Bible, but Jesus was the first to permanently rise to life again. And in doing so, he secured the way for a future resurrection for all who believe in him as well. To quote Paul, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Jesus' resurrection conquered death. Listen to that again. Jesus' resurrection conquered death. Four words. Four words which establish the most important difference between Christianity and any other religious system that exists today or that has ever existed in the history of the world. Jesus' resurrection conquered death. No other religious leader in history or to this day has ever predicted his own death and resurrection and then fulfilled that prediction as Jesus did. He kept his promise. And so Jesus's claim that he has the ability to empower us to overcome death, that claim can be trusted because he himself overcame death. And this is why so Paul so emphatically says in Romans chapter 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. Amen? Now when I began today, I posed a number of different questions. And all of those questions were designed uh, to feed into, play the part of uh, feeding into the larger, more overarching question, which was this. Was Jesus' resurrection necessary or even important? Or, to state it another way, is it possible to have the Christian faith but not have the resurrection of Christ? 
And I hope this morning that I've answered that question, but just in case I haven't satisfactorily, satisfactorily done so, let me remind you once again what I read earlier, the Apostle Paul's words, starting in verse 14 of this chapter, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And then all of those who have fallen asleep, all of those that have already died in the faith, um, if Christ has perished, it's, it's futile for them. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel indeed, for there's no hope. And the gospel is good news. And where there's no hope, there's no good news. There are many different truths that rest on the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a witness to us of the immense power of God and of his absolute sovereignty over life and death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ testifies to the sinlessness of our Lord. For as Paul said, the wages of sin is death, but because Jesus Christ had no sin, therefore death had no power over him. And so as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, it was impossible for the pangs of death to maintain a hold over him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the evidence to each one of us that God has accepted the sacrifice of his son on our behalf. And because he has, because he has accepted the payment of Jesus Christ, though we may die physically, we know that we will not die spiritually or eternally. Jesus has risen. And as fellow conquerors with him, as John wrote, his followers have passed from death to life. 1 John 3, verse 14. John, or excuse me, Jesus has abolished death and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, as Paul would write in the book of 1 Timothy. Death is the most powerful and terrifying weapon that the devil uses against humanity. And you remember that the writer of the book of Hebrews, he wrote this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The overwhelming majority of people that live and have lived here on the earth, the overwhelming majority of humanity is terrified by the prospect of death. Just look at the impact of our current COVID-19 pandemic that we are dealing with and the way in which the fear of contracting that disease and the relatively low percentage of dying from that disease has completely altered life on the entire planet. People are terrified of dying. Let me say this to you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if indeed you are, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the believer need not fear death. And so while we might fear how we might die, while we might fear the impact that our passing will have on those that are left behind, as believers, we don't need to fear death and what lies ahead of us. As we see there in uh, the passage, Jesus Christ has risen again, defeating death, and he promises that all that trust in him will rise again in victory as well. 
And if you're watching this today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, consider those words. Let them sink into the deep places of your heart and let them, let them give you a peace so that no matter what comes down the pike and what comes upon us, you will have the peace of God which comes from being right with God. These are some of the final words recorded for us in our scriptures, our Bible. They're found for us in the book of Revelation chapter 20 and they say this, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so let me just ask you one final question this morning. And this one now is a question for you. The question is this, do you share in the first resurrection? Do you share in the very first of first resurrections, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Throughout our time together this morning, I've mentioned a number of times this concept of believing in Jesus. And before closing out this morning, I want to make sure that each of us that are listening knows exactly what it means to believe in Jesus. In the book of Revelation, we read that the very first thing the glorified Lord said to the Apostle John was this. He said, to, as John fell down on his face before him, he said, Fear not, I am the first and I am the last, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and to Hades. Now we all know the guy or gal with the keys, regardless of what their position might be, is the one in charge of that particular facility. They're the one that has the authority to open and to close certain doors. And so here to say that Jesus Christ has the keys to death and to Hades is to declare that he alone is sovereign over death and over judgment. And as we have seen on multiple occasions in our study this morning, the wages of sin is death. Paul wrote about it in Romans 6, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The penalty of your sin is death, and that penalty will be paid either by yourself or by another. And the problem is this, no other mere human can pay the penalty, for they have to pay their own penalty for their sin. But there is one. There is another, however, who can pay the penalty because he himself had no sin. There is one that can pay not only your penalty, but the penalty for all who place their trust in him. And of course, that one is Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ means to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that your sin will bring judgment. It's to, be to believe in Jesus Christ is to accept his free gift of salvation, won for you through his death and his resurrection. And finally, to believe in Jesus Christ is to place your hope for eternity on his faithfulness. It's to take him at his word. And if you're watching this today and you've never done that, but you recognize today you need to do that, doing that is as simple as in the sincerity of your heart, calling out to God in prayer and saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sins separate me from you and makes me worthy of judgment. But God, despite my sin, I place my trust in the work of your son who paid the penalty for my sin, and I received this morning the gift of salvation, placing my hope 
and my eternal hope in you and in you alone. Now you do that. And if you do that in the sincerity of your heart, the scripture says that God hears you. And the scripture says that he's prepared to answer your prayer, to receive the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. We read in John chapter 5 these words, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death unto life. And if you prayed that prayer this morning in sincerity, you have passed from death to eternal life. The cross of Jesus Christ was no accident. Read the word, read the scriptures. It was the plan of God before the foundation of the world. And as Christians, we rejoice in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's do that. I'm going to pray for us as we close out our time. We'll do so with a song. And then we're going to celebrate communion, where we rejoice in the work that Jesus did for us. Let's pray. Father, we are... uh, Our hearts are moved by what it is that you have done for us. Lord, you came to this earth. You saw the problem of your people, of humanity, the sin problem. You saw that we were in need of a solution to that problem and that we could never, in and of ourselves, uh, bring about that solution. And so you sent forth your son at the exact right time to pay the price in our place. And Lord, we rejoice in the cross. It seems ironic. It seems that we shouldn't. It seems like the cross should be uh, this place of disappointment and failure, maybe. But in reality, you had it all planned out from the beginning. That you would be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so, Lord, rather than turning away from and trying not to think of the cross, we turn our attention to the cross, and three days later, the empty tomb, the death and the resurrection of our Savior, because in that we have life, both here on this earth, abundant life as Jesus promised, and everlasting life, eternal life as he promised. And so, Lord, bless us as we continue to meditate on this wonderful truth through the celebration of communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to get some things ready for us and imagine you as well. Uh, so if you haven't done so, go ahead and get your, uh, some juice or something like that and a cracker or a piece of bread or something like that. And we're going to celebrate communion together.